wish I could play guitar like that. You know, on Guitar Hero, uh, I could do it. That was fun for a period of time. Everybody was, market call, 1 p.m. Eastern time, January 5th. Guy Adami, Dan Nathan, you know who's joining us in just a few minutes. That, of course, would be EY from SoFi. Today's market call is brought to you from SoFi, Dan Nathan. I love this. Get your money right all in one app. I love that. And, of course, FactSet is our data provider. Love FactSet. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Here's what I'm powered by. A few things, and then I'm going to let you talk, and I'll shut up. I promise. Yesterday at approximately 1.15, you pointed out that you had bought puts in the S&P 500, and they weren't working out because we saw a bit of a rally. And I said, um, don't be so certain that they're not working out. You still got time on your side, which is a Rolling Stone song. I'm just putting that yeah. out there, number one. See what you're number doing. two, yeah. Rangers in Montreal tonight, Yaroslav Halak in net, which means probably a 6-3 final. Rangers go the over in total. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm happy for your Rangers there, Guy Dami. All right. Yeah, you know, it was actually the QQQ. It was the NASDAQ one. I'm sorry. QQQs. And, yeah, no, no. Yes. And I was telling you, like, I, it felt a little uncomfortable. And we talked a little bit about the psychology of being short something or at least having short exposure when you're in a rip roaring rally. Well, it's really interesting. You know, I tried to say this last night on CBC's That's Money, but I got cut off, Guy. I was saying that, you know, on a day, right, where you saw, like, I, I just want to say this, okay, you saw yields down. Right. Mm -hmm. You saw crude down and you saw the dollar down and you saw stocks up. Well, today we have the exact opposite of that. Right. We have the dollar is up. We have crude up a little bit. We have yields up a little bit. And high valuation stocks are absolutely getting creamed right now. But let's go take a step back. We also previewed a little bit of the Fed minutes now. Okay, what was your takeaway from that? Is it one of these moments where the algos don't know nuance, right? They don't, I, I, I kind of can't interpret like kind of what the, the time sequence of, of, of this whole scenario is. Yeah. So what was your reaction to what the Fed had to say in the minutes? Again, this is going back weeks. I thought it was, I, again, I thought it would have, I thought it would have had the market selling off in a far more precipitous fashion. It obviously yeah. didn't happen. And, you know, we said it last night on Fast Money as well. Maybe it's some sort of delayed reaction. Obviously, I know that A to P report today was sort of the uh, final straw, but I'll say it one more time. I th I'm not a fan of the Fed. Uh, what I will say, though, I think they've done a very good job in telegraphing and telling the market what their intentions are. It's not, there, it's not up to them what the market's going to do on the back of them. It's up to them to sort of give us a timeline and frame things out in terms of what they're seeing. Neil Kashkari to me is a bit of a fraud and hopefully he's watching right now. I invite him to come on, but you know, he was the guy that was laughing about everybody that said inflation is going to be sticky a while back. And now he's the guy basically that's become the most hawkish member of that squad. So I guess on the positive note, he was so wrong then maybe he's going to be wrong again now. But with that said, you know, I think the fed has been pretty steadfast in their want to slay this inflation dragon and today's jobs report or ADP report, I should say, yeah. did nothing to help the cause. And you were right in your assertion yesterday that beneath the surface, what was going on wasn't all that bullish. No, it wasn't. I mean, look, the stuff that was rallying was just some of the biggest crap. It was it just sounded like a like a kind of a beta sort of chase there. <clears throat> and it's interesting when you think about the December jobs report, you know, again, let's just say that it comes in hot tomorrow morning at 830, given everything we know and what the Fed is continuing 
to say about their want, as you say, to battle inflation. I just can't see how stocks go up mm -hmm. in that scenario. Um, and again, we're going to talk a little bit about the jobs cuts that we're starting to see. We saw Salesforce yesterday um, and Microsoft, or excuse me, Amazon last night, which is going to be a far greater cut than um, they originally had speculated um, a little bit ago. I mean, ultimately, if the Fed does see a precipitous rise in unemployment over the next few months, that would be the thing that kind of signals them in their forward guidance, I think, to be a little less hawkish. Is, is, is that fair to That's say? That's exactly right. That's <laughs> And I've said this a number of times for the new audience members, and there are new audience members. What I'll say is for those that think the Fed put us some magic place in the S&P, I would yeah. submit it's a lot lower than where we are. It's probably south of 3,000. So back that out. I think the Fed put lies in two places. The, the, the basically the credit markets, which show no signs, well, showing some signs, but no meaningful signs of deteriorating. But more importantly, the jobs market, uh, which is really what they want to deteriorate in a meaningful way. And it's interesting. Geary is here. I loved him in God's Senator Park. Geary. Yeah, exactly. What an asshole he was to pronounce the Corleone family's name wrong. I would have basically I would have whacked him in the in the office there but that's why i would never been a great don i was more santino than michael but geary says um where is the recession everyone keeps predicting yeah. i'm not one of those people i say it all the time geary i'm not an economist and the point that i've been trying to make for a lot of people in this country you know 30 35 40 million people they're begging for a recession because for them they're living in a depression but that's neither here nor there so again the recession isn't, an, isn't a possible outcome. A recession is the desired outcome of this Federal Reserve. Back to you, Dan. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about just risk assets in general and just how much they overshot and housing and, and, and the like here, okay, it's got to happen here. So um, let's just talk a little bit about the S&P 500 here. Guy, um, giving back a lot of those gains from yesterday off of the lows here was, you know, we had a volatile week so far here. And, and again, we talk about this all the time. I mean, there's repositioning in the new year. And um, a lot of people, while it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, uh, you know, if you get paid on, you know, annual returns or quarterly returns, or this, there's a lot of window dressing that goes on at the end of the year. There's a lot of repositioning in the new year. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of what we've seen so far. And I think that tomorrow morning's jobs number really will dictate the kind of move i think that we see mm -hmm. as we get into earnings late next week with banks and then we got um netflix which is going to be one that i think a lot of people kind of cue off of at least as far as what investor sentiment is towards high valuation tech and that valuation has come down a bit this s p chart guy we finally fixed it for you here is the one oh, year you see it. the down that's it yeah that's, that's the one it. That's it. It looks sick, doesn't it, buddy? Talk to me about it. That's the one, right? So that was the pennant formation that we had talked yeah. about. We yeah. said as time progressed, obviously that pennant would get more and more narrow. It would break one way or the other. It appeared to break on the CPI print to the upside only to be thwarted. Yeah. And that was your tell. So that pennant formation broke to the downside. And it's, I think it's right to sort of posit that, yeah, maybe magically we can get back to the downtrend line at some point. But I think first, and I think you would agree, uh, the trajectory yeah, be anything in that type of pattern suggests lower, Dan Nathan. Yeah, I mean, listen, that consolidation, given the fact that the the chart, the one-year chart is in this uh, downtrend, that consolidation of late, I mean, I'd be shocked if it doesn't break lower. Um, and that's how I'm positioned in both QQQ and S&P um, puts here. Um, I also want to look at 
the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ 100. This chart guy looks absolutely sick. You know, when we talk about the S&P possibly testing those October lows, well, dude, the NDX is almost there. I mean, when you look at that like little ledge that it's kind of sitting on there, and then if you back this thing out and you look at that kind of multi-year chart going back and looking at those kind of pre-pandemic highs, I mean, we're not far off from there. It's about a thousand points in the NDX guy. And when you think about what we're in for and what we've already started to see, I mean, just look at today and some of the high valuation tech names, which just yields up a little bit that are absolutely getting creamed. Some of these SaaS names, Workday and ServiceNow, both down 7%. Microsoft, after being down 4.5% yesterday, down another 3%. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on. And you mentioned CrowdStrike down 8%. The list goes on and on and on. I just don't know that there is any guidance or any results from the Q4 that are going to say to investors, you got to buy me here because I just look across the entire tech landscape and the way in which they're cutting jobs and trying to cut costs tells you that they are about to drop a 2023, um, you know, uh, guidance bomb hammer. that is not going to be well or hammer. Whatever yeah. You and call it's it. going to be on the back of, I think demand. And that's something we've talked about for a while. Our concern about Microsoft wasn't, and I'm not picking on Microsoft, but it wasn't the company. It's I said this last night. I've said it on our show. I think it's one of the three most important companies in the world. The problem with it, after last November, when the Fed changed course, was valuation started to matter. On the way up, nobody cared, rightly so. On the way down, valuation is a bit of a problem. And by the way, which is one of my wants to say, it's probably still expensive at these levels. And if they were to guide lower on uh, demand, that would be problematic. It would also probably signal that we're getting towards the end of this thing. So I look at this and say, this is all good. That It's finally starting to take place. It's not fun to go through, but it's necessary. And your point about the NASDAQ, 9,800, that's the level we've talked about. And you're right. We're yeah. about 900 or so points away, which seems a long ways away. But we've seen that type of move over the course of a couple of weeks. And again, I'm not suggesting it's tomorrow. But I think that's what we're waiting for. And it comes in the form of Apple capitulating. We've obviously seen it with Tesla, Microsoft giving it up, some of these other high flyers as well. I mean, I don't want to pick on NVIDIA, but NVIDIA rallied 75% from the October low. And it's probably down, I don't know, 30% since that recent high. I mean, that's a pretty volatile uh, stock in this environment, Dan. Yeah, you know, listen, guy, because we do this, we come oh, up with wow. ideas. And we Is that Rafis or Jacob? Man, whoever did no, that should give him, a, give him or her a raise. They're, 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 they're both studs. Um, I'm going to move the, the rundown around because I want to do yields with Liz, but I want to hit a couple single Ooh. stock things really quickly. Uh, Liz, L-Y from SoFi. Oh, you know e- her, right? E-Y from Greg. Yeah, but just, you know, Liz, get ready. We know you're back there. Real quickly, guy, I wanted Snickering. to hit a tweet. I wanted to hit a tweet. This is from Jeremy underscore Markle, he tweeted at the two of us, you guys have any thoughts on tenant healthcare? Fundamentals look pretty attractive with a single digit multiple S&P down 44% from its 52 week peak. What does that mean? SP down, well, whatever that is. Throw up a chart. I don't know if we could throw up a THC chart, chart. but I'll throw it it up then. I mean, because this was, this is one of the stocks I really liked last year and I probably rode that horse too long. It's sort of like the rodeo. You got to know when to get off. At a certain point, the horse is going to buck you, but you know, everybody loved this name, and then obviously things got went a little pear-shaped. They gave a guide in October that was a disaster, but what do I think? I think you're right to point out valuation. It's always been pretty much of a cheap stock. It's gotten a lot cheaper. I think it sort of trends up to the 200-day moving average, which probably comes in around 60 bucks or thereabout, and then we'll see what happens. It is inexpensive. I think it, out of the hospitals, 
it's probably the best one. But that guide we saw in the fall was uh, no bueno. No bueno. All right. Here's one that was showing really good relative uh, strength in this space. United Healthcare. And look at this UNH. one. UNH. This stock in the last week, guys, down about 10% in a straight yeah. line. You see that big consolidation had been over the last year. Rejected there a few times over the last year. But listen, man, look at this chart. Back it out to like 2018. You see that like well-defined uptrend that has been. You see that rejection level. It just broke that. What? So just broke. take there on fundamentals, on valuation. This is one of the biggest names in the Dow Jones industrial average here but that technical setup is not pretty no and i think what's happened is this was a place where again i I hate to use the expression but it happens to be true i think a lot of people found this sort of a flight to quality name and it sort of overextended on valuation now as the market appears to be rolling over there is some unh specific stuff out there but i think what you're seeing is people getting out of these things last which again is not a bad thing it's bad if you own the stock what do i think that June low, which I believe came in around 450, I think you got a bullseye on that. And we'll see what happens if and when we get there. But having broken this trend line that you draw uh, that you drew stands to reason, especially if I think the broader market's going to sort of give it up, that UNH won't be uh, spared. 450, I think, is in the crosshairs, Dan. All right. Uh, last single name um, in this like whole this. little, little it's like It's like a, piece what do they call that? Like a... Yeah, okay, you throw know. darts at me and I'm a catching shit. Like, like what was that movie you like, Matrix or something yeah, that I've never yeah, seen? It was, it Doesn't like he that. like defend bullets and then lean backwards? <clears throat> yeah, they call that bullet time. Um, uh, here's the deal, guys. So yesterday we talked a little bit about some of these software names. We talked about the job cuts over there at Salesforce. Um, and it was interesting that Michael Burry of the big short fame had a tweet yesterday. CRM should have been down 25% on those job cuts. Job cuts are not uh, the reason to own it. Um, I thought that's interesting. So overnight, the Wall Street Journal broke a story that Amazon that had initially announced that they're going to cut about 10,000 jobs um, are nearly doubling that to probably 18,000 or so. This is a two-year chart. You see that this thing is just massively um, underperformed the broad market, the NASDAQ, many of its peers, uh, mega cap tech peers, that is. It topped out in July of 2021 here, mm-hmm. very near 52-week lows. And listen, let's be clear. This is a company that employs a million and a half people, okay? So 18,000 is literally like a rounding error, but they spent a lot of time in 2020 and 2021 hiring people, and now they're doing the opposite. So just thoughts on this whole little scenario as far as job cuts are concerned. You ever see like, you ever go out west and see those elk? Those suckers are big. Let me tell you something, moose and elk. And, you know, you get a couple flies, and the friggin' elk doesn't know it's there. It's a fly in the ass of an elk. And that, I think, is at your point. Here's where I would differ a bit with Michael Burry, although, again, he's a lot smarter than I. I don't think the CRM job cuts were the reason the stock should have been at 25%. It's what that signified. And you say this all the time. There are fewer asses in seats. You don't say asses, but you say there are fewer people in seats. And by definition, that's negative for companies that sell to companies that have a lot of people in seats. So if that's being reduced, it stands to reason that CRM is not going to be spared either. Now, I understand why it bounced yesterday, the stock, because it had been sold off in a very meaningful way, and I think it was a bit of a relief rally. But he is right. These stocks, I think, have another leg lower. So we'll see how it shakes out. By the way, somebody just said, um, I think it was Eric Lancelotti, something tells something tells me that G. Swizz is not a fan of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You would be wrong. I happen to like them. I like them a lot more when Neil Young got involved. I'm a huge Neil Young fan, and it upsets me to no end 
that on my Spotify playlist, which has now reached over 820 songs, I can no longer listen to Neil Young, specifically Live Powderfinger, which if you've never heard is fantastic. Back to you. Yeah, Live Rust is also one of my faves from Neil Young here. All right, let's do it. It's time, Guy is no, on me. No, is no. EY from oh, by the so way, five. thanks, Guy. Just sold some deer puts him. Way to go, Cam Haynes. I don't know if if, if hi, Liz. Bye. Hi. EY. All right, Can we put real- up a deer chart real quick because who oh, said when Deer reported in late November, early December? Throw that chart up, Jacob. D E is a symbol if you're if you're struggling. Major double top here, Dan Nathan. Who said that? I said, listen, folks, if you've enjoyed this, pull the ripcord, sucker, because it's going back down. Anyway, back to you. Hello, Ewan. All right. Well, if you guys enjoy Liz Young, okay, and you can't get enough of her, not only is she going to be with us all of 2023 on Thursdays on Market Call, but she's going to be joining Guy and me on Mondays on the On the Tape podcast. How cool is that, Liz? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're committed. We're in a long-term relationship now, all three yeah. of us. Here we are. Yeah. So what do they, so, they so, call that something problematic. Well, whatever. <laughs> let's let's move on from that. But we're really excited about that. So if you only right now, if you only take us, if you only get us on the market call, you got to go to your favorite podcast store. And guys, is Spotify obviously, and you got to yeah, subscribe on the tape, and you're going to get that in your, I don't know, your email box, Inbox. Or your your app or whatever. All right, Liz. Welcome you to guys. 2023. How are you? Uh, How yeah. Are you, I mean, I'm here on an episode where Guy talked about a rodeo, which right. I'm going to channel yeah. my inner Guy Adami, reminded me of a Garth Brooks song called I'm Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old. There's a lyric in there, the white line's getting longer and the saddle's getting cold, which is about <laughs> the rodeo. And I think in 2022, all of us felt like I'm much too young to feel this damn old. I hope I feel younger in 2023. That's look at you. See, we don't rehearse this shit. Also, by the way, we don't. I mean, we don't. That's Garth fantastic. Brooks. Garth, Garth, if you're watching, he is not on Spotify. You can't get his music anywhere except for Amazon Music or by like having a CD and uploading it into your something or other MP3 player. Right. So, Garth, if you're watching, please, please go on Spotify. Sounds like that's a win, by the way. But I saw <laughs> Garth Brooks. He was at Kennedy Center Honors. Uh, he did the Gladys Knight portion of the evening. I thought he was okay. He actually hosted the event the night before at the White House. He was a master of ceremonies. Back to you, Dan. Wow. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's rip through some stuff. Liz, I wanted to hit yields with you here because I think this is a really interesting setup here. This two-year note, it's held this uptrend that's been in place for the last year. You see that where it's bounced, and it's just done that a whole heck of a lot over the last kind of two weeks or so. And again, this has to do with what the Fed has been signaling on the uh, short end, right, and what they're doing with Fed funds. But, Guy, this 10-year is working into a little bit of a pennant here. It had that bounce off of that uptrend. It was a one-year uptrend. And, you know, we got a little bit of a downtrend. It looks like the tension is building. And you said this on Market Call the other day after we saw the contraction of the 210 spread. What did it get to? About 50 bips or something Mm -hmm. like that? You thought it's going to get back to, I don't know, 1% or something like that. Um, So talk to me a little bit about, What's going on here? I know that we've said that the two-year is reflective of what the Fed is saying they're going to do with Fed funds. The 10-year might be more reflective of growth. What are they saying to you now? Because one dog's looking like one way, the other's looking the other. And I just want to say, what do you want from me, guys? That's to you, EY, because I have some thoughts. All right. Well, I'll talk about the two-year first. So in mid-December, 
Uh, I was on CNBC and I said, by the two year, I would stand by that. This is the time to be in the two year, because at some point, if and when the Fed does stop raising rates, the two year is going to go back down. This is a time where there is an opportunity here if you're trying to find some defense in the portfolio, something else to buy or use besides cash. And if you already are loaded up on dividend stocks, which a lot of people are after last year, I think the two-year is a good spot to be here. The 10-year, however, I I didn't hear guys say that it would get down to 1%. That's a bold call. No, the, no, no, the, the inversion. Oh, 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 100, 100 base point inversion. 100 Got points. it. Yeah, Got it. Yeah, um, the 10-year, however, I would venture a guess that in this pennant formation, it does break below. Because as recession fears mount, the long end likely comes down. And I actually tweeted today about the fact that negative yielding debt is now at zero. Mm-hmm. We were at 18 trillion, then 11 trillion, and now there is no negative yielding debt left, which means that bond valuations are more attractive. People will start scooping them up as they get scared. I agree with that. And Mills, Jeff Mills, I'd be the general short guy, but strong. He mentioned the same thing last week on CNBC's Fast Money, but I'm with you. And I said, Dan, you got to sort of bookmark this day because it felt as if we were about to make the next leg in this inversion. And it's playing. I mean, you think about how quickly this inversion has moved to 75 basis points from 50. It's remarkable. And I think we are headed to the 1% that I thought we'd get to last year. But here we are. Now, what form does it take? Well, that two-year yield is going to continue to grind higher, I think. And to EY's point, I think 10 years is going to continue to grind lower. TLT goes higher. And again, not being an economist, I'm not sure what it means, but it ain't good for the broader market, Dan. Yeah, to your point. So TLT, I I think it was about 92 a couple months ago, and you thought that's how you play it. I was playing it through the GOVT. I'm probably more inclined to play now um, through that 20-year iShares Treasury ETF. And when you look at that downtrend, and it broke above it, and then it rechecked back to it. And so in and around this 100 level, let's see if it can hold, because I am in your camp, Guy. Um, on that. All right, Liz, every Thursday on the SoFi investing blog, mm-hmm. you write a note. Now you write the note because you want to service SoFi no, customers. That's but not there's why. another reason why you write this note because you want to do what to guy? Get him. I don't know. What are we exercised? Exorcised. And I will Weekend. tell you that this one I saw and I was going to, I was going to say something on Twitter. And then I said, okay, listen, it's a new year. Go easy. But what I'll tell you mm-hmm. is the Rolling Stones, a band, by the way, that I mentioned earlier with the great song, Time is on My Side, which is wonderful. You should listen to the harmonies there. Great job. As good as that was, that's how shitty, uh, <laughs> I think it was Tattoo You, which came out in 1981. I remember that because I was in high school. I'm like, what did they do to themselves? And Start Me Up is about <laughs> as shitty a song as ever been written. Right up there with We Built This City on Rock and Roll and any miserable Journey song that you want to throw at me, EY. But please, throw it up there. Let's talk about it. It was the perfect way to start the year. And everybody knows the song. I knew it would get you all upset. So it was great. It was a winner from the beginning. And look, I used used Rolling Stone songs through this whole thing. Under Jay's thumb, can't always get what we want. There are so many other ways that this could go. I should have wore my Stones t-shirt today. Oh, that would have been That was a missed opportunity. Damn. Yeah, anyway, uh, look, this is kind of just rolling into a new outlook for 2023. I obviously wrote the longer outlook at the end of last year, and this is just let's get started on this year. It's not a great feeling coming into January, but I'm optimistic that maybe by the end of the first quarter, 
we'll at least have clarity on what the Fed is going to do. We continue to just be in this weird range of, are we going to have a recession? Are we not? What are yields going to do? Where's the opportunity? And look, it's hard for me to get excited about the stock market right now. It's hard for me to get excited about it before we get back down to, say, 3,500 on the S&P. So people then ask, well, what am I supposed to do? We already talked about one of them. You look at the two-year. I think cash is an okay place here. I think dividend stocks are an okay place here. But this is a time, and it's always uncomfortable for me to say something like this. This is a time in January where I think it's also okay to just sit on your hands. Mm -hmm. And there's this obsession as we start a year with breaking it up into first half and second half. We don't even know what's going to happen in the first quarter. So don't try to extrapolate out a couple weeks move into what's going to be the entire first half of the year, I can almost guarantee you that will end up being incorrect. You know, Guy and I were talking about this a little um, earlier in the week. The fact that, you know, consensus has come around, and when I say consensus, Twitter, um, the people who watch the markets on Twitter, that, you know, the first half of the year is going to be really brutal and the second half of the year is going to be better. Well, that makes me a little nervous because, you know, that was my view, you know, a very long time ago that we wouldn't really come out of this until late 2024. And it doesn't exactly go the way that most of the people feel. And Guy has made the point on many occasions that the consensus call for years, you know, had been bullish and that was right. It just, the difference is, is that now what the Fed is doing into this potential recession is the exact opposite that they were doing in, you know, 20 years ago during the dot-com implosion or, you know, 12 years ago during the financial crisis. They're actually telling you every time they have the opportunity to do so that they are going to keep rates high for longer than you think. And that's Mm -hmm. just not going to be a good environment especially when you're seeing liquidity pulled all over the place with quantitative tightening. Oh, guy, guy's got his hand up. I mean, that, that's, that's what's different this time. I would like to uh, ask EY a question. You heard us pontificate earlier about this perceived Fed put in the S&P. I think it's below 3,000. What I think, though, they're focused on is unemployment. You've talked about it. Am I right thinking that 5% is the desired outcome, as painful as that might be? Uh, I think 5% would be when they start to get uncomfortable with unemployment, but it, the, the target is still inflation. It doesn't really matter. And maybe 3,000 on the S&P, I don't know. I think it's more about whether or not the market is functioning properly, and they're still going to go after their goal of targeting inflation. I actually got a question uh, when I put out for Q&A on my, my bonus pod for January. Somebody asked, if employment, unemployment starts to cross the CPI number, is that when the Fed will stop? Not necessarily. I mean, if if CPI gets down to, say, close to four something, unemployment is only in the 4% range. I think the Fed is pretty comfortable with unemployment in the 4% range. I think 5% is when they would start to say, okay, now we're creating undue pain on the economy. But if inflation is still high and unemployment's at 5%, I think they hold steady. All right. Here's one from the Twitter sphere. Um, This is Anthony. He seems to be a big friend, uh, big, I guess, you know, He's he's just a fan of yours, uh, Liz. Just like Guy he's and not, I are. He's only all, human. All I mean, so he's and at, he he seems a really bright guy. This is a well constructed tweet thread here. It's <laughs> at Anthony underscore IV. Not sure if any of the smartest people in the market that I follow will respond to this, but I have a Fed theory. I'd love your thoughts at Liz Young Strat. Um, one, the Fed will hike till FFR equals core CPI, and two, they pause waiting for three consecutive prints of core CPI below their Fed funds rate. That is the FFR that he speaks of. Um, they, all right, you, you guys see the two. I don't have mm-hmm. to read it all to you. Right, that's called it, a thread. It, yeah, that's called it. That, yeah. 
that is a Twitter thread guy. Yes. Um, all right. So let's talk to us because you are one of the smartest people that we follow here, along with oh, Anthony IV. Um, talk to us about like give Anthony some love here on this one. I'm pretty sure it's Anthony the Fourth, not oh. IV. But oh. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, all right. Look, I wrote down some numbers just so that I could make sure I kept this straight. So first and foremost, and Anthony, I'm, I'm guessing you know this. A lot of other people watching know this, but. The Fed looks at PCE, not CPI. And core PCE in the last reading was at 4.7%. Upper bounds of the Fed funds rate right now is 4.5%. So we are pretty close to those two crossing and the Fed funds rate actually being above the core measure that they watch. And, and actually, before the end of this month, we should get another reading on PCE. And that might be the time when the Fed funds rate is effectively above core PCE. Does that mean they're going to stop? Absolutely not. That just means to them that they are now in the definition of restrictive territory. And the conversation has been and will continue to be that they need to get rates to a sufficiently restrictive level, and maybe that's their definition of restrictive, and then keep them there for a period of time until inflation gets to where they want it to be. So I think the Fed funds rate will approach that level pretty soon, if not before the end of January, because PCE moves back down. And I don't think it stops them at all. I still think that they're going to claim to be targeting 2%. Another bullet point on that is I don't think we'll actually get to 2% before they have to kind of slow the reaction function or at least change their narrative. But they're going to continue to claim that 2% is the goal. All right. That Geary, by sense. the way, Dan, Geary, the same jerk from uh, the state of Nevada, <laughs> yeah. not this Geary. The new, and, and this sort of, this is exactly what you just said, the new unspoken inflation target is 3% rather than 2%. So you are aligned yeah. with Senator Geary, who once again got what was coming to him Oof. in that uh, house of ill repute, because that's what happens. You just don't F around with the family. Back to you, Dan. Yeah, but you know who didn't get what was coming to her was the, the young woman who didn't have a family and no one will know her. That's how do you what, know, uh, by the way, how do you know they whacked her? I mean, I mean, you know, maybe it was Geary all along. Okay, fair enough. All right, um, let's hit this. Is this is really important because we Liz haven't heard seen from Godfather Two, by the way, which is from a our real good problem. friend. Really, Liz? No, never. What? What? Never seen Godfather Two. Godfather Two. No. Never. No. Yeah, I, that's shocking. Know. I knew. Still, I didn't even know that. Still not sure. I saw all of Godfather One. Oh, okay, that's oh, it. Can I leave that there? Yeah. All right, let's do this because this is actually really important. Here, we haven't heard from our friend John Butters. He's the senior earnings insight analyst. Over there at FactSet, he has been on our program on many of occasions. They are a fine sponsor and data provider here. He's given us a little bit of a preview. His blog is going to drop tomorrow morning here, and he is talking about S&P 500 earnings. And I think, again, what's so interesting to me is we can talk about all the macro guy. And you said this, you know, a half an hour ago. I don't know if we're going to go into a recession, but you're pretty damn well sure we're going to go into an earnings recession over the next couple quarters here. We're already in kind of the throes of that. And I think what John is talking about in the blog this week, he's talking about how the pace in which analysts have cut their earnings estimates for the S&P 500 um, over the course of Q4 by 6.5% almost in aggregate during the quarter, the decline is larger than the 5, 10, and 15 and 20-year averages. It's also the second largest decline in quarterly EPS since Q2 of 2020. We know what was going on there. Okay, Guy, talk to me really quickly. I'd love to get Liz's sense for this because, you know, as we go into earnings season and we are very bearish about corporate earnings here, the fact that analysts are lowering those estimates at the fastest pace in which they've done it in a long time, does that set up for a sort of positive reaction if earnings 
cuts or guidance cuts aren't as bad as analysts is already basically baking into the cake right yeah so the answer to that question is i don't think so but the point i'd like to make is this is exactly what we need to see and it's i think it's taken them a lot longer to get to this point but the fact that so many people are coming around to the sort of the the outcome that we thought was inevitable is a good thing it doesn't mean the market's going to bottom but it means that we're closer to a bottom i think so good for good for these analysts um these strategists for finally starting to wake up and see what's been inevitable all along. By the way, EY has been on this longer than anybody. She was one of the first people, by the way, because I have a memory like a giraffe or that other large uh, animal that is out there in the Serengeti. She said in December of last year that the market has changed. We've gone from a market where you buy sell-offs to a market where you sell rallies, and that was spot on. And I don't think that's necessarily changed but we're clearly a lot closer to that than we were a year or so ago, Dan. Yeah, Liz, any any quick thoughts on, on Butter's work here? Because again, you know, the estimates are coming down and maybe rightfully so. And my question to you is that once we get into the thick of Q4 earnings, we start to see some of the Q1 guidance or the fiscal or the, the current year 2023. Um, are, are, are we going to see some companies who just lower the boom, who literally just come out and just kind of lower expectations for the full year so they can actually start to beat expectations and, and as maybe the economy is looking a little bit better in the second half of the year? Yeah, I do think we're going to hear some lowering, especially because in an environment where the market was down pretty big in December and we're hearing about layoffs now across sectors, this is a time when it's a little safer for a CEO to come out and say, all right, we're lowering guidance. It seems rational to do that rather than a time where the market's going up and then you look like the only company that's not doing it right. So it's it's a little bit, they have some cover. They have some air cover to do that. Yeah. The thing that I would say about earnings is that the fourth quarter, as we find out about what the growth rate looks like, the fourth quarter may very well be the first quarter of negative growth since 2020, which would mean that it could be the first quarter of an earnings recession. And remember the formula, it goes the market first, then earnings, then the economy. So if this is the first quarter of an earnings recession, that would make the first quarter of 2023 the second quarter, that would qualify as a recession. And then the economic recession typically would follow that. So just to get everybody's kind of timing in line, and you likely see the market react before we have confirmation of the economic piece. But uh, this earnings stuff, I think, in January, and this is why I think January could be a pretty painful month, is because I think we'll hear some of that confirmation from companies that, okay, things aren't as rosy as we thought, and revenue is likely to go down this year because inflation has gone down. A couple Fair, things yeah. here, Dan. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that I've been hammering the Packers all year. They have a chance to make the playoffs, which is just, I can't even, I, I, it's very hard for me to understand that. And that sort of scares me a little bit here. The fact that they could get in and with Aaron Rodgers behind center, which is a term, Dan, anything is possible, number one. The Bucks are starting to turn the corner and the Greek freak is exactly that. He's putting up numbers that I don't think anybody could comprehend. By the way, there's a guy in France, apparently, that is the Greek freak 2.0. Just keep that in mind. Uh, number three, as I mentioned. Maybe the French freak? He'd be the or, or the freak, <laughs> if you think about it. French freak is effectively the freak, right? Freak. I mean, freak. As opposed to whatever. Um, yeah. So that's that. Jim is shocked. By the way, pull this up, uh, Rafis or Jacob. Jim is shocked that I'm a journey hater. Don't be. 
because the members of Journey think Journey sucks and there's only one good song. And Don't Stop Believing, which I swear to God if I hear one more time. I love The Sopranos. The fact that they ended their tenure as a, as a series with that song, that really frosted my beep. But that's hey, neither guy, here nor there. What just yes, happened? Dan. What just happened? Someone put in there while we were talking. Yeah, the, um, the S and P's went from thirty-eight oh six to thirty-eight yeah. twenty-seven. Well, I, I no, it's hard line. for me to ascertain what happened because huh. I've been yeah. focused on the conversation we've been having. Yeah. But it's probably one of these, you know, midday bounces. We'll see. So Bullard's um, Bullard's talk. Your guy Bullard's. Oh, what did he say? Somewhere. Well, let's let's just oh, let's no. let's look here. Another um, genius. Yeah, yeah. Fed Bullard says rates are nearing sufficiently high level. Ah, okay, well, there you that's go. just listen. Honestly, I'm just going to tell you this, people. I think that the market is going to be like back below where it was yeah. just trading when that headline came out. And I hear Bullard. I think of Jake for some. It's not, but yeah, just for not. some reason, his first name should right, be. Should Jake. we do this? Because Liz probably that's has it. more important that's things it. to do. I know you like the clip <laughs> stuff, so I got to do this clean. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today on Market Call. Uh, Thank you, EY, from SoFi. And you can catch her stuff. It drops. I don't know if we have the, what do they call that, the slide? But it doesn't matter anymore because people have come to learn where they can find her on the Twitter and where they can find her great pieces. Start me up. Shitty song. Great piece that you wrote. And under under Jay's thumb, I mean, so good. Really, so good. I mean, I know you see the smile you have there? That's the exact same smile that you have when you're writing this stuff. Pure pride. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pride. Exactly. If you like us, leave comments because, you know, people, we like to see it good and bad, mostly good. We get some bad. That's okay. Directed at me because I'm (laughs) off the friggin' reservation. Uh, We will be back Monday, if that's not incorrect, because Monday is, in fact, we're getting back to some semblance of normalcy. The last couple Mondays we've been off. I want to thank SoFi. Get your money right all in one app. Obviously, FactSet, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you, Dan, obviously. Thank the audience. Thanks, Jacob and Rafe is just killing it behind the scenes. But most importantly, just want to thank us as a community because I think in 2023, that's where we're going to see more of the community of risk reversal that Elizabeth Young is such an integral part of. Yep, I will be here for all of 2023 for that community. Tremendous. Dan, you want to just say something fun? No, let's get out of here. (laughs) Ranger hockey tonight. Rangers in Montreal. I mean, original six match Thursday night. The Rangers are going to kick the shit out of them. Uh, Put that in your little pipe and smoke it, Dan. All right, people. Thanks, Liz. It was great chatting with you today. We'll see you on Monday on on the tape. Uh, Guy Adami, I'll probably see you today on Fast Money. Yeah, I'm coming into the city right now. Yeah.